All right, we're in our sixth message of the year already. And we've been talking about God's purpose. And uh, I started off my morning and um, my daughter was asking me some questions and, and uh, got into a very good, interesting conversation. So much so, I think it'll make a very interesting topic to talk about with y'all. Y'all just won't be today. I'd love to get to it today while it's fresh on my mind, but we got to do a little more research on it and give you a little bit of biblical background to go with it. Unfortunately, one of my my skill sets is I cannot remember every address in the Bible. I have to take the time to look it up. We all have our strengths and weaknesses, and I know it's there. I know to look for it, so sometimes it takes me a little longer to find it. So we need to, I got to look up a few things and have a little bit of support to go with my argument. Because, you know, I like to do that and make sure we know what we're talking about, the truth here. But we'll look forward to that possibly next week. And it fits right in with what we're talking about with purpose. You know, she's wanting to know, how do we know that we're following the right thing, the right book and the, everything like that. So we're going we're gonna to look at that and we're going to, see that next week as for this week we're going to continue on and and look at a subject and uh, maybe see it from a little bit different angle you know one of the things we struggle with when we're looking at the word of God is that we often have our minds made up a certain way and we have a certain image of God I know we've talked about this time and time again but you know, we look at Jesus' example. When he starts talking about things time and time again, it is important. And it's very, very important to know what God's purpose is. Because it's the building blocks of faith. we got to know who God is, what he does, and that doesn't change. Because when we have these facts in place, we can use that to decipher what is of him and what is of the world. What is in the light? What is in the dark? We're at war. And we have to win this war. It's already been predetermined. But that doesn't mean we still have to face the battles each and every day. And I don't know about you, but I like to win. I like to win my battles. So we're going to look at one of Jesus' parables. You know, and... I love the parables. Jesus tried to break it down for us. He tried to give us some real life applications to show us how the kingdom of heaven works. He tried to make it easy for us, and I'm, I'm glad he did. I like that method. I adopted it myself. So let's look at it. And we're going to be in Matthew. And we're going to be looking at chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 4. And we're going to be looking at the parable of the, the talents today. And I hear the page turning, so I'll give you just a second to get there. Matthew 24 and 14. It's all red. This is Jesus talking. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling unto a far country. Who has called his own servants and delivered unto them goods. And he gave five talents to another, 
one, and every man according to his several ability, and straight away he took his journey. So one got five, one got two, one got one. And then he that received the five talents went and traded with them the same, and made them the other five talents. And likewise, he that received two also gained another two. But he that receiveth one went and diggeth into the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants come and reckon with them. And he that had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou hast delivered me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. And his Lord said unto them, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. There have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into thy joy of the Lord. He that also had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou hast delivered me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. There has been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. And then when he had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sowed, and gathering where thou hast not strewed. And I was afraid and went and hid the talent in the, in the earth. So there has thy talent. And the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I not sow, and I gather where I have not sued. There ought of therefore have put thy money into the exchangers, and then am I coming, you would have received my own with eurystry. Take therefore the talent for him, and give it to them that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, he shall have abundance. But them that have not shall be taken away, even that which hath us. And then cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, where thou shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when the Son of Man shall come in all of his glory and holy angels upon him, he shall sat upon the throne of his glory. And therefore him that shall be gathered all the nations shall be separated from one another as the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he shall set forth the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. I think that's enough right there we can get started with. So, first of all, I want to I want to look at a few things. And um, we see that we have the the nice word servants that we have listed here. And uh, many times that we see the the word of God likes to the, the authors they like to use friendly words. Instead of saying coming right out and saying it, we use something that's a little more more kinder and we have to read between the lines. And uh, we see servants. What's another word for, for servants? Slaves? And that's that's what these these people are. And we see many Examples of this throughout the, the Word of God. And a lot of times, people will, will use this to try to show God in a, in a bad light. That He allowed this to happen. 
You know, there's much talk about it today that we still have this going on in the world and we still are looking at issues from where it happened in the past. It's still much of a a hot-button topic. But I want to explore that. This is all bonus stuff, too. We're not even talking about talents yet. We're just talking about this. This This is bonus for you today. You know, uh, we are all slaves in in one form or another. Because first of all, what happened, God created us. He placed the man and the woman in the garden. And they they were free. Free to do anything they wanted except partake of that one tree. And then that old serpent came along with his silver tongue and he said... Well, you need to go ahead and take a bite of that too because you're missing out. And through that, we were sold into slavery. We all became Satan's slaves because before Jesus Christ, we were all condemned to hell. Hell is Satan's domain. He had control over us because we gave it to him. We gave him ourselves. We gave him the earth. We gave him the world all by our disobedience to God. And we talk about God's purpose. God had purpose in telling them, do not partake. Because if you do, this was going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. So Jesus came along. And what did he do? He paid a price with his life, with his blood, and he bought us all back. So when you accept Jesus Christ, when you are covered in his blood, he owns you. You are his servant. And by default, God's servant. Paul even talks about it. He even describes himself as a slave to Christ. And that's what we are. You know, and even at that, we are enslaved to a lot of the things of the world. How many of us are going to wake up in the morning? We're going to drive to a place and we're going to perform labor that was assigned to us by someone else. Well, that's, that's work. It's just different ramifications. We are doing this to have certain needs met, but we are underneath the obligation, the direction of one person or persons, 
And we have to complete these tasks in a certain way. to be able to receive what we need. And if we don't, there's some kind of discipline involved. There may be a deduction of pay. There may be some kind of paperwork done, or they may be even dismissal from your position where you're not receiving your needs anymore. We look at what a talent is. Now, in today's modern definition of it, we talk about like a skill set. But in here, we're, we're talking about a sum of money, usually in the form of gold and silver. And oftentimes it would be in, in a bag and if we look at the, the Roman example of it, there would be bags that they would, could put on their backs and it would have a certain amount of weight of gold and silver. And a, a talent was often described as how much a, one man could carry in one of these bags. And it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about 75 pounds. So we look at what 75 pounds of, of gold would look like. And that's quite a bit of, of fortune. You know, if we looked at it in today's world, we're talking, you know, six figures. So when this person gave out this, this, these talents for them to work with, it was quite a bit to work with even at that time. And we, we look at, at the lesson here, what God's trying to teach us, what Jesus is trying to teach us in this story. Now the first guy, he went out, he had five. That was a lot. And everything that they had was based on their previous performance. So we sure that would be led to believe that this was a, a hard worker. That whatever he did, he was able to, to multiply. He did a good job with. And we see that he took this and he was put it, he put it all out there in the world. He didn't hold back any of it. He advanced it all and was able to, to double what he had done. And the second guy did the same thing. He didn't have quite as much to start with, but he still invested it all. And then the third guy, he just had, had one. And he was overcome with these different things and he decided that he's just going to go hide it. He took the, the least course of action and he went and he dug a hole and he buried it. 
Where do we fall at in this story? Now, I think we can probably lump the first guy and the second guy together because even though they had two different amounts, they basically did the same thing. We see that we are, they both put in and did, you know, what they could with it. They did, and they both doubled what they did. So we're looking at, at two different categories here. We got the ones that are all in and the ones that are hold everything back. And I think if we move into our, our real life example, I think we can add a middle category that's not represented here. But it's also how many of us operate in today's world. And if you don't, go, if you don't uh, think this is true, you can put it in the complaint department. Let me know. We have some that's kind of half in, half out. You know, God talks about lukewarm churches. You know, we have lukewarm people that's not fully committed one way or the other. So I think that that application would fall in here today as we look into to today's world. So where are we at in our lives? Not just our money, but with everything that we do. Are we all in? Are we not in at all? Are we somewhere in the middle? And where does God want us to be? Well, Jesus gave us this example here. And he shows us that the guys that we're all in, they got a good job. Hey, I'm proud of you. The guy that was wicked and lazy, he got booted. He got everything that he had took from him. And not only that, what he was give, what he was took from him was given to the person that did the best. So many times in life we are wanting God to to bless us, to bless us. Anytime that we have these relationships where we have someone in charge, that we are being a servant in some form or another. We want to do a good job. We want to please our Lord and Master, whether it be God, whether it be our boss. We want to please Him because when we please Him, we expect to gain more. That's how we get that promotion. That's how we get that raise. That's how we get more blessings from God because we are doing what he requires and we're going to receive more from it. And we've talked about money many times. And we say that God already knows what you're doing with what you have right now. Your talent, your skill, your money, and we say, well, if things was different, if I only had more money, I would be able to do all these things. And I'd be able to help all these people. And it's the same thing. We even negotiate with our health and our status. And we talked about negotiations, what, last week? 
And we say, God, if you'll just do this one thing for me, then I can do all of these other things for you. And it's not just money. God, if I only had that promotion. God, if I only had more influence. God, if you would only heal me and I could do more things with my body, I could be so much better for you. But God knows. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows every step we're going to make before we make it. He knows what's on your heart. He knows what's on your mind. And he knows what you're doing with what you have right now. Just like this, this fellow here, this, this Lord of this whatever it was. He had been watching these people's performance with what they had. And based on that, he gave them more to work with. And now after having that more and seeing what they've done with that, they're now in line to receive even more. Where are we at today? We always picture this one-sided relationship with God. We want God to do all of these things for us. And we're trying to buy our blessings on credit. I can't do nothing for you right now, God, because of my circumstances. You see, I don't have enough of this or enough of that or all these different things. So I'm not able to do anything for you right now. But as soon as you do something for me, which will change my circumstances. Then I'll be able to do stuff for you. I can multiply it then. I can, as you can see, a difference. God doesn't work on credit. You know, there's an, uh, an example in the Word where all the, the rich people, they go and they throw a percentage of what they have into the, to the offering plate for the church. And then this little old lady comes by. And she only has two coins. Just two coins. You've heard of having not having two nickels to rub together? Well, she had just her two nickels to rub together. That was it. That's all she had. And she took that and she gave everything that she had. And she was the one that truly was blessed. And see, the rich people couldn't understand that. How can throwing in this small amount be so blessing-worthy when I put in this much, which was so much more? And the difference is, is that she gave everything she had. There was nothing left over. She wasn't holding nothing back. You know, we look at, we see these examples in life all the time that for us many of us if someone gave you a hundred dollar bill 
That's amazing. That's a good day. But if you're someone like Jeffrey Betos, or if you're Elon Musk, and you have literally more money than you know what to do with, a $100 bill is nothing. For us to take that same $100 bill that could be turned in so many different things, you know, that's a week's worth of groceries. Well, at least it used to be. That's, you know, a couple gallons of gas. A couple days worth of gas. Maybe I had it right the first time. Uh, that's a payment on one of our bills. That's an opportunity to get that luxury item that you've been wanting for so long but not been able to afford. So when you give everything that you have, it really means something. Versus giving such a small, minute piece. I was... Uh, been following a story recently about a singer, famous singer, um, independent record label, rose up from nothing, did very, very well for themselves. And the kind of person that came from, from nothing and now has mega millions. Of, of money. Well, they came to find out the other day that they had not one, but two houses that through a little bit of finagling that family members was able to access some of his fortune and bought two houses. One was over a million dollar home. And these were purchases that he just found out about accidentally. And for many of us, the family's the idea that people could take your money and purchase over a million dollars worth of homes and you not even know about it. That's kind of mind-blowing. If someone takes my account and buys a candy bar, I'm going to feel it. And I'm sure many of us are the same way. So if someone like that to just throw in a few dollars, it really has no impact. To just contribute a little bit. I'm talking now about that, this middle category here. Because we all want to, to belong. We all want to do a little bit to be able to feel good about ourselves. But we don't want to be all in. Now for the, the rich people to throw in a little bit. It means absolutely nothing. Because that little bit is so insignificant. That no matter what happens in the future, that little bit of money is not going to change 
the outlook of their future. And the same with the the middle category. For many of us, we always give out of the abundance. And it's not just giving. You know, we hear so many times from the pulpit talking about how you got to give, got to give, got to give, got to give, got to give. And of course, that's important to have that conversation every now and then because the church is a business. Even though it's a nonprofit, there's still bills have to be paid. So there has to be some form of income coming in. You know, things are going to break. Things need to be done. And we also need to talk about how we're going to grow and expand and accommodate. So there have to be that, that change of hands. And of course, God with his infinite wisdom, God with his purpose, gave us something else that we can look at that goes along with our giving. Not only are we giving because it's something that has to be done, but God also tells us that by giving, that it's going to bless what we have left over. It's going to allow the kingdom of heaven to have access to what we have left over to not only protect it, but to grow it in abundance. Giving is more for us than it is for him or anyone else. It allows us to be blessed with it. Isn't God grand how he does these things for us? But it's not only that. It's also when we are investing into a a project, or more importantly, when we are investing into ourselves. We have to decide where we're going to be. You know, if you're taking that new job, you might want to invest in in a suit, in something to make you look professional. When you go out there and you're trying to make sales or whatever you're doing, that you look professional, you look your best. You're trying to represent this new company that you're a part of now in the best possible way. Or do we do just enough to do something, but we hold back because we're afraid that it might not work out. We do this in our prayer life. We'll talk to God and say, hey, God, I got all these situations going on. Let me break it down for you. And I'm going to need this, 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 and this, and that'll take care of this. And I'm going to need this, 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 and this, and that'll take care of this problem here. And I need all these things. And then we say, thank you, if it be your will. So we're going to ask for all these things, and then we're going to go ahead, right at the the end of it, we're going to give God a way out. So, yeah, I, I know that you're going to take care of my problems. I know that you hear my prayers. I know that you answer them. I know that you heal. I know that you do all these things. Your word tells you this. All we have to do is have faith. And then what are we going to do? We're going to give God a way out. Not that he needs a way out, but it's our way of not having to maintain that faith. We put some effort into it, but not all the effort into it. If we're in business for ourselves and we want to grow that business, you have to keep investing into it. 
But do you hold part of it back? Do you just do the bare minimum? Do we want to have a little bit of growth or a lot of growth? Or are we going to sit there and worry about failure? See, because every time that we give God a way out or we have a backup plan, the one thing we don't have is faith. This last guy here, he went and he, he buried the money out in the backyard. He dug a hole and, and, and buried it. And when the Lord comes back, he says, you absolutely did the least possible thing. The only way this guy could have been any lazier if he just carried it around in his pocket, and that probably would have took too much effort because it was heavy. It was a big old heavy bag, so he couldn't carry it around. So he literally did the least possible thing he could do. He went and dug a hole and he buried it. If he had took and took it to the bank, at least he could have drawn some interest. But he did nothing. And then he talks about how hard the Lord works. He says that you go and you you seep, you reap where you don't sow, and you and you gather where you've not screwed, and you've you've done you do all these different things. And I don't know if he was trying to just say, hey, you're not that great because you're doing all these things that you don't really earn. Or the fact is that he's saying that you do so much that you really don't need me to do anything else. And that's, you know, the kind of the attitude we take with God. We say, hey, God, you know, you're so great. Why don't you go ahead and take care of this problem? And I'm just going to sit back and, and wait for it to happen. And the whole time we do it, I think I'm going to go ahead and grumble and complain. And I'm going to have a backup plan, too, because, you know, you might, you might fail me. And there's no basis to it. Why do we think that God's always going to fail us? Where in, in the, the Bible, anywhere, do we see a passage where God failed? Where do we see anywhere in there where he didn't come through God's answers are yes and amen. And the only time that it's not yes and amen is because it's not going to lead you to your purpose. Or it's going to interfere with someone else's purpose. You know, road rage is a big old thing these days, which I don't understand because, all right, someone cut you off in traffic. Whoop-de-doo. If anybody has never not made a mistake while driving or made a mistake in general, you know, I think you're a rarity. And you probably think you do, but it's probably not actually the case. So how is it we expect everyone to be perfect all the time? Well, people get so mad about it. How many of them people you reckon has went home and, and prayed to God, God, you need to kill that person. You need to strike them down. You need to burn them up, turn them into a pillar of salt. Plummet their house with fire and brimstone because they cut me off in traffic. You know, that's one of the times that God's going to say, no, because that's not good for your soul. We're supposed to be doing forgiveness and love. You know, we say, love thy enemy. We're supposed to pray for them. 
So, so if I was to do that, that would be bad for you. That doesn't get you to your purpose. That doesn't get you to your expected end. That doesn't make you a better person. And besides, I love that other person God would say because that's another one of my children. And I love each and every one of you with your flaws and your defects. And you know, if I do for one, I'd have to do for others. So I'd have to go look at all the things that you have done and done to other people. And then I'm sure it would be real easy to find something that you've done to someone else that they could wish you dead for as well. And then poof, you're gone too. In fact, it would just cause a chain reaction and just person after person after person will be gone. But that's what Jesus is for, to cover us for all of our sins. But we have people that still think that way, that God needs to be punishing our enemies. No, we need to be loving our enemies. We need to start making a change. Pray for them to change. You know, and sometimes the problem isn't somebody else. Sometimes the problem is is us. What is it that makes us so angry? What is it that makes us have these feelings towards others? Back to the talents. We need to have a all-in mindset when it comes to God. And we need to give him everything. Give him access to everything. We have this mindset, mine, 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 mine. I got it. I collected it. I grew it. Oh, you didn't? Oh, you didn't? Who do you think gave you the opportunity? Who do you think gave you the ability? Who gave you the mindset? Only thing we've done is time to time is take that initial step to get things going. And sometimes that took a push. How many times when we're taking that first step into the unknown has God had to stand behind us and give us a shove to get us going? Faith. We have to give it all to him and believe that he's going to see us through. We talked about Abraham last week. Lord said, go. Go to this place. And I'll tell you when you get there. And he steps off into the unknown. And the only thing he has is God's instruction to go and the faith that God is going to be faithful and lead him and do exactly what he says. But how many of us would, would get that message from God and say, nope, heard him wrong. That would be the, the third guy there. That's what he would do. He's like, nope, that's not me. You got the wrong guy. And then the, a lot of us would be, all right, we're going to do it. But this is what our, our, our bag on our back looks like. Well, I'm going to take this map 
and I'm going to take this Garmin GPS and I'm going to take my phone and maybe a satellite phone too in case the first phone don't get reception. And uh, I'm not going to sell my house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it here just in case. You know, we're going to leave it here just in case I have to come back. So we're going to leave that in place too. And I'm going to do all these things and have all these backup plans. See, when you're rolling with God, you don't need a backup plan. Because plan A never fails. God's plan never fails. You know, imagine that, you know, God sends Jesus. Well, we're going to go ahead and send your brother too, James, to come along with you. Just in case something goes wrong, you know, if you fall off that cross before you get dead or something like that, we're going to send James in as a backup. You know how the, the have a backup quarterback in case the first one gets hurt? We're going to send to have a backup. No, God's plan is foolproof. We don't need a backup plan. And that's the problem we have. Faith does not require a backup plan. Faith is plan A with no plan B. We have to believe that plan A is going to work and work beautifully and exactly as planned the way God has intended it.